this morning, we're going to approach our sermon time a little differently than maybe we usually do. Again, we'd never do something different, ever. It just wouldn't happen in here. Some other church, but not here. And I want to do something that we do like a couple, maybe three times a year tops. I want to sort of highlight some things that are really important to us as a church. Things that are really near and dear to our hearts and things that we're really supposed to be doing as God's people. See, because some of you guys are new. You haven't been here all that long. To you, I say, welcome. Glad you're here. And you have not heard all of this stuff before. You have not quite figured out what is it with this crazy group of people, what's their deal? Well, this is going to shed some light this morning on that for you. You're welcome. Some of you are not new. To you, I also say, welcome. Glad you're here. And you will have heard this stuff before. But here's the thing. When you're talking about what's really important to us as a church and what we're supposed to be working on and doing, if you're like me, that stuff can kind of leak out of you a little bit. You know what I mean? You hear it. You come to church. We do this like on New Year's Day, for instance. You come to church and you hear, oh, right, 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 right. This is the plan. This is what we're doing. This is really important. And you go about your business all well and good. And then the days and the weeks and the months roll on and life kind of happens. And then when you hear this again, you go, oh, oh, right, 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 right. And I kind of sort of forgot that a little bit. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe that doesn't happen to you. But here we are. Wherever you are on the I'm new, I'm not new here, I want to just kind of catch us all up. This will be sort of part sermon, part update, part highlighting some things, part a word for us. We're just going to do that all. Does that sound okay? Just going to have it all. And in answering that question, okay, what's really like super important to us? What am I supposed to be doing right now? I as a, a believer in Jesus, I as a person who frequents this family called the Harbor Church. What am I supposed to be doing right now? I want to boil that down into one sentence. Can you all handle one sentence this morning? Just one? Yes? Seven of you can. The rest of you are unsure. That's all right. One sentence. Here's what it is that we're doing. Here's what you can do right now to be involved and to jump in and be a part of this in this season. It's this. Write this down if you got a pen. It's this. You can join the fight as part of the team. Join the fight as part of the team. Oh, you know I'm going to get you to say it with me. Join the fight as part of the team. That's what you can be doing. And I want to just for a few minutes unpack what that looks like and what that means. So let's talk about the first bit of that. Let's talk about join the fight. Somebody said, I didn't know there was a fight happening in here. Well, welcome. Join the fight. Now, if you've been hanging around for any length of time at all, you will have heard somebody, me, or someone else here say these words. God has a life for you. Have you heard that said in this church before? God has a life for you. Okay? While you're participating, turn to your neighbor and tell them, God has a life for you. Go ahead. And we have talked about that life at great length. John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full, life abundantly. Now, yes, that's talking about our eternal life with the Lord in heaven, but that also is talking about the here and now. God has a life for you now, right in this season of your life. God cares about you. He created you. He loves you. He has plans for your life. And every area of your life matters 
to God. And the life we've talked about that God desires for us is a life where Jesus is at the center. He comes first and all of life revolves around him. And if you hear that and you say, well, that doesn't sound very fun, Ned Flanders. It actually really is. That's true living. When Jesus comes first and every area of life is connected to him and is offered up to him and is surrendered to him, that is where you start to know what life is all about. Because that's why you were created, friends. That's the life he made you to live. It's walking with Jesus, centering yourself on Jesus, finding your identity in Jesus and your hope and your peace and your joy and your purpose in Jesus. And that everything that happens to you in this life, as you go about your life, all the good things, all the bad things, all the mundane things in the middle, everything that happens, happens in that context of I'm with Jesus and I'm walking with him and he loves me and I love him and I have a relationship with him and he is my Lord and my Savior and my center and my peace. Does that sound pretty good? That's the life right there. Now, you'll have heard me say this too. That life is not possible to live in and of yourself. Okay? You can't just waltz up and say, oh, okay, God like wants this relationship with me. So, hey, Lord, I must be right in your sight because, you know, I'm so great and I do nice things and I'm so good. That's not how it works. The Bible says that we have all sinned. Somebody say sin. Sin is rebellion against God. It's where we fall short of God's standard. It's when we turn our back on him, when we make something or someone else, often ourselves, the God of our life, and we just do whatever we want, whatever's right in our sight. We break the laws and the commandments of God. We violate the character and the will of God. We can do this in many numerous ways, but that's all sin. Sin is falling short of the glory of God. We miss the mark, all of us. Get in line. The line starts right here with this guy. We've all sinned. And so because of our sin, we are separated from God in and of ourselves. You're, you're like, this will insult somebody. You're not good enough to just waltz into the presence of God. I don't care how good you think you are. You're not good enough. You're not that good. But here's the good news. God loves you. And God knows that we're not good enough to just be right with him on our own. We, we can't just tighten up our shoes enough and do enough good things. It doesn't work. You can't earn your way into God's favor. Will not happen. Will never happen. Impossible. But God loves you so much and he knows that we're here and we can't bring ourselves to him. So he came to us. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life that all of us in here have failed to live. Again, the line starts here. Jesus lived that life perfectly. And then he died, sacrificed his life on a cross to pay for our sins. Again, he had no sin of his own. He died for your sin and for mine. Why? Because he loves you. Because he wants a life for you. And in his death and burial and resurrection, Jesus paid for your sin... He rose again and defeated the grave. He conquered hell. He has the final word because he's greater. And now what he is doing is he is inviting us to trust in him, to surrender our lives to him, to believe, put our faith, put our confidence in him, repent of our sin. That's to say, Lord, I was going this way, but I'm laying my life down and I'm coming after you now. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever surrenders their life to Jesus will be saved. And when Jesus Christ saves you from your sins and that, that record of debt is removed from your life, now you are free to have that relationship with God. Again, it's not because you were good enough. It's because Jesus is good for you. Make sense? 
So that's where it all begins. Man, if you're not a Christian in this place, that's where it starts for you. You need Jesus. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. Come talk to someone later. We'll have some of the elders, some of the leaders up here at the front. Come and talk to us. We would love to tell you about Jesus. Man, we got all day to tell you about Jesus. Just telling you. All right. Bring a lunch. All right. Anyway. So we need Jesus. Now, most of us in the room are Christians, okay? We have been saved, all good. If you're a Christian, if you belong to Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that you already have everything you need to live the life that God created you and desires for you to live. You're not waiting for the rain to stop. It probably won't. It's been raining all summer. (laughs) Just saying. You don't have to wait till, oh, well, all the stars align and whatever. You have everything you need right now, today. You have the Holy Spirit. How many of you know if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you? How many of you know that? Okay, well, then you have everything and then some that you need to start walking with Jesus and putting Jesus first and and walking with him maybe through some of the messes in your life and all of that stuff. You've already got it. We need to step into that today, right? It's not really about you. It's not really about the work that you put in, but you do need to try, okay? You do need to try. And sometimes we're so switched off yeah, I know, like, yeah, Lord, okay, whatever. I'll do my Jesus thing on Sunday, and I'll come, and I'll I'll have my hands at my side, and I won't sing, say, or do anything, but at least I was at church. Come on. Come on. Like, really? That, That does not describe the life that he has for you that I'm trying to tell you about, okay? We need to step into this. We need to come to a place, perhaps have real honest conversations in our lives to say, wow, Jesus, I know that I need you in the center of my life. I know that I need you on the throne of my heart and I know I haven't really been doing that. This is a journey, we all go through this. But I think somebody in this room needs to do that today. I don't know who, I'll just leave that with you. That's all right. So that is part of the fight. Here's what I'm telling you, we get back to this fight thing. That is part of the fight. It is you walking with Jesus in your own life. You pursuing Jesus, you making Jesus a priority, you putting him at the center of every area of your life. That takes a whole lifetime to get that right, by the way, but that's part of the fight. Now, there's another part of the fight, too. Other people, right? Part of the fight is you and Jesus, but what about everybody else? See, we do this thing sometimes in our faith. It's just me and Jesus, and I'll have church out in the woods And it's me and Jesus. Well, actually, it's Jesus, others, and you, friend. Let me just correct you on that one. Other people. We cannot overlook the importance of other people. God said, Jesus said himself, the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. Love other people. So we can't just leave this aside. There are people all around us who don't know Jesus. There are people who therefore are unable to live the life they were created to live. Yeah, maybe they seem like they're doing well and they're happy and successful. Deep down, they're not. Deep down, as a matter of fact, they're still dead in their sins. And if they continue on without knowing Jesus, they will be sentenced to hell. They will go to hell. They will be condemned and punished. We don't want that, okay? We need to love our brothers and sisters that we see in the world enough to try to do something about that, okay? People need to know Jesus. And how, I ask you, are they gonna know about Jesus unless somebody tells them about him? Who do you think is supposed to tell them about him? Who do you think? Look in the mirror, okay? 
It's us. How are they going to call on him who they've not heard about? And how are they going to hear unless someone tells them? That is part of our job. Romans 10. I think we read that this week in our Bible reading plan. Almost like God wants us to get on to that or something. Also, there are people who do know Jesus, but maybe they need some encouragement or some, someone to come along and spur them on in their faith and iron sharpen iron, all of that stuff. That's part of the fight because people are important. People are a gift. And this fight that I've just described to you, this is called discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. It's that two-part mission, that two-part fight, walking with Jesus ourselves and helping others come to know and walk with and grow in Jesus. That is everything. But you notice at the, at, right at the center of all that is Jesus. At no point in this do we lose the importance. This is all about Jesus. He is the center. He is the prize. He is the pursuit. He is the treasure. Man, I'll remind you, he is the life. John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's all about Jesus. Now, as I say that, perhaps the little devil on your shoulder or wherever he resides is maybe starting to speak up and say, well, okay, Braden, but, but, this is where the excuses start to come in, right? When you talk about discipleship, there's some excuses, there's some myths that exist. There's some lies that we sometimes convince ourselves of about discipleship. Number one is this. We might not say this with our words verbally, but sometimes we act like it. Sometimes our heart says this, I already have enough of Jesus in my life. I already have enough. So why would I bother investing in my walk? Why would I bother reading my Bible? Why would I spend time in prayer? Why would I pursue spiritual disciplines? Why would I worship? What's the deal? I'm already saved. I'm already going to heaven. I've had a little taste of Jesus and that's enough for me. Here's a question for you. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? You're telling me, okay, you're telling me that the God of the universe who created everything, who is the center of everything, he is the point of everything, and he wants a relationship with you, an intimate, personal, deep, fulfilling, meaningful relationship with you, and you say, nah, I'm good. Are you kidding me? Seriously? I think I offended somebody when I said this. Cool. But that's how we act. When we just put Jesus on the back burner and he's a sidebar, oh, friends, that is a myth. That is a lie. That is not good. Because we miss out when we do that. There's always more of Jesus, even if you've been a Christian for a long time. Like, we're going to spend an eternity getting to know him. He's that big. He's that vast. So keep going. Don't say I've had enough. Don't say I've tasted and seen enough. Press in. Got it? Okay. The second myth, the second lie, the second excuse we make about discipleship is, well, I'm, I'm ill-equipped. I'm just ill-equipped. I just don't know enough. Maybe I, I'm nervous, I'm fearful, I'm whatever. I just, I, just, I just can't see myself putting myself out there with another person, let's say, and, and doing this discipleship thing. I'll just remind you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. You might have heard of it. It's called the Great Commission. Maybe. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority. 
He says, so therefore, since I'm the boss, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Do you see what he says to you? He says, go. Go and make disciples. Now, some people say, well, I'm, I'm ill-equipped. I don't know the Bible all the way forwards and backwards in six languages, inside and out, diagonally and across ways. Well, that's not what Jesus said. I mean, obviously, let's grow in our knowledge of the scriptures. Not saying we shouldn't, but that's not, that's not what Jesus said there. He said, go. You say, well, isn't that the pastor's job? Oh, <laughs> you want to meet out in the parking lot over that one? <laughs> Let me just say, there are people in your life that you are close to and the pastor is not close to or the elders or your small group leader or whoever are not close to. There are people in your life that you have access to that maybe no one else does. You have relationships with people. And you also have what's called the gospel in your arsenal. It's your job. There are people that you can have a hand in reaching that perhaps nobody else in the church can. So you can't slack off on that. And yes, there's, there, again, there's room for growing and learning and, and developing techniques and all this stuff. But really, it's about you being faithful and saying, well, Lord, even maybe in my weakness, even if I won't say it all exactly right, I'm just going to be faithful to what you tell me to do. And maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit is going to pick up where you're a little bit weak. And I'll say this too. You can't save anyone anyway. It's not your words. It's not your fluent delivery. And I said every little syllable of the gospel, right? It's like, it's not you. It's the Lord that saves. And you can't even, I'll just really make you feel small in the good way. You can't even, when you're talking about maybe coming alongside another believer and you're trying to encourage them and, and help them work through some stuff. You can't even cultivate life change in somebody, really. Not in the way the Holy Spirit can. So how about we just trust in Him and let Him do the heavy lifting and we just be faithful and do what we're supposed to do. Does that sound okay? All right. Third thing is this. I won't even harp on this one because I think we'll just get on to this. The third myth of discipleship is this. I'm too busy. Oh, the air just left the room. No, you have felt it. That happened. Man, if that's our heart, I'm too busy to do this. Perhaps we've got to reshift our priorities a little bit. I'm not saying you're not. I believe you that you're busy. I get it. But perhaps this is something God is calling you to do in your busyness. I'll just leave that one with you. We're good on that one. But this fight... This work of discipleship, this is centrally important to who we are as a church and what we're doing as a church, right? This isn't some sidebar activity or one ministry of several. This is like the overarching goal and the life of our church. This is where we're headed. That's what you can do. You can join the fight, okay? Let's do part two of this then. We got to join the fight as part of the team, Guess what the team is? It's the church. Do me a favor. Look around the room. Just look around the room. Look at these friendly faces. They're not going to bite. Do it. Some of you are not doing this. Look. Turn, turn your head. Use your eyes. This and many others who aren't even with us this morning. Man, this, this is the church. The church, you guys know this. I'm preaching to the converted. The church is not a building. Good land. 
I feel like you guys are really good at understanding that one, by the way. I don't feel like that's something we got to harp on and harp on because you're not getting it. The church is not the building. It might have helped that we didn't have a building for like five years. Maybe that's why we knew that the church isn't the building. Anyway, the church is also not just an event on Sunday morning once a week. Yeah, that's something that we do, but it's not primarily that. The church is the body of believers in Jesus. It's the people. And there's a whole list of scriptures. I highlighted a few. Colossians 1.18, Ephesians 1.22, 1 Corinthians 12.27, Romans 12.4, and many others. They all say the same thing. The church is the body, the people of God. And guess what? If you're a person of God, you belong to the church. You're a part of the family. You might be that brother or sister that, no, just kidding. I won't, I won't go there. We love you. That's another sermon for another day. We'll go there someday. The church is the people of God. So answer me this. Does the church happen? Does church stay open? Is the church operational when we all file out of here later and get into our cars and drive away? Is the church still open? Yes. Because it's us. As we go through the week, whether, whether we're gathered together like this for encouragement and to be built up together, or whether it's you have gone and we've all gone our separate ways and you're living your individual life through the week, you're still part of the church. Therefore, the church is open all week long. We're in business all week long. What's your operational hours? It's 24-7, friends. That's the church. It doesn't close. It doesn't stop. It doesn't take a holiday. And I'll say this about the church. You need it. You need it. Sometimes we get into our minds and say, oh, yeah, like, we just get, like, oh, church is that event that happens, and I'll go once in a while, and I go once a month, so I'm a regular attender, and that's church to me. It's so much more than that, and you need it, because for one, you can't do this Jesus thing alone. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. doesn't work. You need people around you to build you up and to lift you up and to encourage you. We need the fellowship. We need to like eat together, have a barbecue or something, right? We need to be together and have conversations. And even if it's messy, we get into the mess of each other's life. Man, like that's church and we need it. Furthermore, there are some spiritual gifts that God has equipped the church with that aren't even possible to be used unless it's in the context of the whole church being together. So we need that. Furthermore, we are commanded straight up in Scripture by Jesus himself to love other believers in the household of faith. Well, how are you going to do that if you're doing the solo act over here by yourself? doesn't work. You need this. We need you, and you need us. Just telling you how you feel this morning, man. You need us, and we need you. Vital part of it. And again, the church, it's not just there, I checked off the box and I did all this. No, it's the heart. And here's what's going to happen to your heart if your business is, well, eh, church, eh, fellowship, eh, whatever. If you know anything about fire, we won't do a live demonstration now, set the smoke alarm off. Picture this with me. You've got a nice fire built. If it's like the fires that Lori builds at our house, it's 12 feet tall. You can't get within 10 feet of it or your leg hair burns off, okay? Or maybe a more tame fire, whatever. There it is, burning, burning, 
the, the wood is burning down, the coals are starting, so now it's time to like bring out the hot dogs and have a hot dog roast. And if you took the tongs and grabbed a coal from the fire and you put it over here off by itself, not on the grass because you'll burn the grass, but somewhere safe, what's going to happen to that coal? Does it go out immediately? No. It's still literally on fire when you pull it from the fire. It kind of looks the same as all those other coals, but then it starts to fade. Now it's just kind of glowing. And then it starts to fade some more. And pretty soon it's literally just a blackened piece of wood on the ground. That is what happens to us when we remove ourselves from fellowship and the life of the church. You say, that'll never happen to me. Don't go ahead and put that to the test. Because when you're off by yourself, man, now you're vulnerable. You're like the wildebeest that left the pack of wildebeest and the lions are coming after you. Okay? Can't do that, friends. We've got to be in the life of the church. And you should do it anyway, just because you know it's good for you. But let me just pause for a second and just give some thanks and encourage you with this. Now is a great time to jump back in or continue in the life of the church because really good things are happening in the church right now. Really good things. I put just like a little list together. Well, first of all, ministry is happening. We're like doing stuff, so that's fun. It's good to do stuff. We've done, obviously, Sunday mornings. Those have been amazing. This year, for instance, we've done 242 all winter and spring. By the way, that's starting again in about a month's time. Somebody give thanks for that, please. Thank you. We've been doing barbecues all summer, which have been fantastic, and people are just showing up, and we've never seen them before, and we're, it's awesome. And we had one the other week, someone, I won't name names, someone was like, oh, well, it's like a holiday or whatever. There's probably not going to be a lot of people here. Like, don't put a lot of hot dogs on. And then they just came out of the woodwork, so we're chucking hot dogs on. Like, it's been, it's been awesome. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of small groups that are going to, I'm not going to go long on those today, but a bunch of small groups are kicking off in the fall. And then we've been ramping up on our youth activities. I think there's a youth event happening this Friday, but don't talk to me about it because I will be on vacation. So talk to, where's Mark Ketch at? Where'd he go? He's hiding in the back. Talk to Mark about the youth event this Friday. Anyway, there's also been this like little thing. I mean, it was a little bit important this year. We've had nine people get saved already this year. It's amazing. It's amazing. And many of them, I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, they're all good, but many of them have been kids. Man, God is just doing a work in the life of our young people here, and it's amazing. It's awesome. And then there's the intangibles, like how the presence of God has just been moving among us. I saw y'all crying this morning. Don't try to hide it, right? presence of God. He's just been here and he's been doing stuff and people are showing up and we're getting new connections and new opportunities all the time. Now is a great time to jump in or jump back in to the life of the church. You still with me so far? So how can I play a role on this team? You want me to join the fight as part of the team. I got three little things for you about this. How can I play a role on the team, the church? The first one is this. You can be present. Somebody say be present. That does not mean, listen, that does not mean you show up for every single event, every time the doors are open, your car rolls up in here, and you've got to lay the rest of your life aside because I just got to be, you know, at every little thing. Here's a little secret, okay? I work here, and I'm not at every single event. 
So show yourself a little bit of grace, okay? It's not about the frequency of you being here per se. And also, you can be at every little thing and still not be present, right? You could just be there and be total, like, earth to Braden, is he here? It's not, it's not about, okay, that. Being present means, yeah, you show up, right? You got to be physically present. But it also means you're there in the moment. You're real. Here I am, warts and all. Even if it's, man, my life is a mess right now, and I really need some prayer. Things aren't going well. You know what? You don't have to stay away from church when that's happening. In fact, you need it more than ever if that's happening in your life. So be real. It means being in the moment. Be in communication with each other. Something I love about our church, I just kind of hear this as, I don't go looking for this information, but people are in communication with each other all the time. I just hear, oh yeah, I sent a text to so-and-so on Wednesday. And like, that's awesome. That's part of being present. Do those things. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 kind of talks about the heart of being present, by the way. It says this. It says that we ought to be sharing our very selves with one another. Isn't that cool? Sharing yourself. Here I am. Let's walk together. Let's do this together. You guys get that. I can tell you get that one. Be present. Number two is this. You want to play a role on this team? Pray for your church. Pray for your church. And I know that you're doing that. Somebody's praying for this church. Just saying. The way it's going, man, somebody's praying for it. Thank you. Thank you. Keep doing that. You can pray for the church as a whole, the organization. You can pray for the elders. You can pray for ministry leaders. You can pray for our volunteers. You can pray for the money. And you can pray for individuals. Oh, I know so-and-so has this particular need. Pray for that. That's good. Pray for your church. Got it? Number three is this. How can I play a role on this team? Jump in and serve in an area in your giftedness. Here's the cool thing. God has made you good at stuff. Even if he's only made you good at one thing, that's still something. And God doesn't waste anything. If he made you good at something, it's something that you can use for the good of his kingdom, for the good of others, for his glory, for the good of the church. So use those things. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we are one body. How many bodies are we? One. And we're many parts. And all the parts don't have the same function, but they are all super critically valuable. You are valuable. You have gifts. We need you and what you're able to contribute, whatever that is. And there's lots of opportunities to serve, even in just the ministries we already have going, and we're going to ramp back up and into the fall. So if you're kind of just a blank slate and you go, I don't know, I'll serve anywhere, come tell us that. Or maybe it's something that isn't currently happening at the church, and you say, look, I, I, I have this gift, I have this skill, I have this whatever, and I don't know where it fits in. Bring it to us anyway, and we'll pray about it, and we'll talk about it. Now, I'm not making you a promise that whatever you suggest will do. I'm just saying, right, we need this. Jump in and serve in an area of your giftedness. So let me sum up, and then we'll start wrapping this up. You say you want to know what's important to our church. What am I supposed to be doing right now? You can join the fight, right? That's, that's discipleship. That's you and Jesus and you and others as it pertains to Jesus. You can join the fight and you can do so as part of the team, the church, the family. You can immerse yourself in this community of people, man, that care about you. We care about each other, which is fantastic. A couple of things as we wrap up. Perhaps the little one on your shoulder is piping up again and telling you, why would I bother doing this? Why would I bother? 
Sounds like I'll have to put effort in if I do that. If I join the fight as a, a part of the team, I'm going to have to, like, do something. So why would I bother? Well, I'll give you three reasons why you should bother. Number one, when you join the fight as part of the team, God is glorified. That should be enough for us right there. Wow, if I do this, Lord, it brings glory and honor to you and it's worship to you. That should be enough. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.15 that as this extends, as the grace extends, as the kingdom expands and extends to more and more people, as more and more people start picking up on the rope and pulling on it, God is glorified. The second reason you should bother joining the fight as part of the team, nothing wrong with this, it benefits you. Benefits you. We don't lead with what's in it for me, but it happens to have something in it for you. You are going to grow. You are going to be stretched. You're going to learn. You're going to get to make a difference. You're going to get to come alongside people and make an eternal difference. You're going to get to use your gifts. You're going to get to be a part of this amazing community. Man, it's good for you. And the third one, which I realize I've done out of order, it benefits other people. Remember, it's Jesus, others, and you. It benefits others. When you make it your business to come alongside somebody else and invest in them and walk with them, you could be the person that helps lead them to Jesus and literally snatches them out of the fire. Like, tell me what's better than that. You could be the person that comes alongside a fledgling Christian and, and gives them a shoulder to lean on and you grow together and you help that person get fueled and propelled further in their faith and then they can go out and make a difference. Tell me, like, what's better than that? You want your life to count for something? Man, let it count in those areas. Just saying. That's why you should bother. Last thing I want to say and then we'll wrap up. This is where the what if comes in, right? What if I'm busy? What if, let's just be real honest, what if I'm scared to do this? What if I'm scared that if I open up this box and I start in on this fight, I'm scared of what's gonna be in that box waiting for me? What if, maybe you're being real honest with yourself this morning and you say, what if, if I'm just being real honest, what if I'm kind of apathetic right now? What if I'm not really feeling it in my faith right now? What, what if my love has grown cold? What am I supposed to do then? Here's the word I want to give you. If any of those things pertain to you, go back to your first love. His name is Jesus. The lover of your soul. The one who has saved you. The one who has given you new life. The one who has bought you at a price. The one who happens to also be the Lord of heaven and earth, who's worthy of our praise, who's worthy of every bit of ourselves we can pour out and give to him. Go back to your first love. Yeah, there might be things for you to do. Yeah, there might be people for you to minister to. Yeah, maybe there's junk in your life that needs to get cleaned out. Go back to your first love because he is the answer. If you are in any way withering or struggling with what you're supposed to be doing and the person that you're supposed to be being in your faith, you need to get reconnected to that vine. Go read John 15. That'll, that'll show you something. Jesus is the vine. That's the only way we get the nourishment we need. That's the only way we have the life and vitality that we need. Go back to that. Start there. And if you will get honest and open and real with Jesus, man, he's going to do something in you. He's going to.
He will surely do it. And the cool thing is, he's not saying, uh, clean yourself up, Braden, and then we'll talk. Perfection is not the starting point on this. In fact, we'd all be way behind the starting point if it was, right? What Jesus is looking for in his people today is willingness. Are you willing? Are you willing to surrender yourself to him? Are you willing to put him first? Are you willing to join the fight as part of the team? That's the question that we all have to answer. I can't answer it for you. Sorry. I can only answer for this guy right here. But I think that's what he's calling us to do today.